with Jake P. So Mike, do you spend your whole life in Central Valley of California? Uh, actually, I was born in Modesto, which is about 15 miles away from me right now, and moved to Houston, which is probably about 10 miles from here. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up in Houston on a dairy, and uh, then when I was a freshman in high school, we sold the cows and put in peaches. How's growing up on a dairy? Uh, it was good. It was a grade B dairy, you know, you uh, shovel manure into a wheelbarrow and take it outside and dump it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a plank that you run across the manure pile and dump at the end. Hopefully you don't go off the plank. <laughs> <laughs> you ever make it off the plank? Oh, yeah. I've done a few things to my uncle who used to live there. Shot him with a BB gun and he chased me and I could run across the crust because I was so little mm -hmm. and he just bogged right down. So I, <laughs> Things you still remember, you know. Yeah. So. So then I uh, got out of school at Houston and went to Modesto Junior College and then Cal Poly, but I was a pomology major, which is fruits. Fruits? fruits? Yeah, fruit. Oh, fruits. Yeah. And uh, then uh, I got my teaching credential while I was there. Mm -hmm. And my first job was at Downey High School where I stayed for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And um, Did you show growing up? No. Or anything? Any involvement with sheep? No, I had a pig in 4-H. Uh-huh. And uh, the 4-H later sold it to me, and right before Ferry came out and weighed the pig, and that's when pigs were weighing, oh, maybe uh, 180 to 230, and this pig was like 270 and still had his testicles in him. So he didn't make it to Ferry? <laughs> no, he didn't make it. <laughs> and, and to tell you the feeding practice, we used to raise some pumpkins, so I would cut the top out of the pumpkins and fill them half full of water, then put in oats, and then uh, by that night, the oats would swell up, and then I'd just dump a pumpkin in the pen, and uh, they would eat all the oats, eat the pumpkin, everything. You cut another one and get it ready for the next time you fed, you know. So a little different today. I don't yeah. think I, I don't think I know of anyone that feeds that way now for the shows. Tasted good. Oh yeah, it was really good. <laughs> so. so you went to college, um, MJC. Do they have a sheep unit back then, or because uh, they have one today? Um, I'm trying to think here. You know, I don't really know. Uh, the only classes I took while I was there in the uh, that were livestock, I took a uh, well, I took an entomology course from Laverne Donker, who is a great teacher. Kids used to stay after the class just to learn from him, mm -hmm. and uh, I took a, a poultry uh, class. Uh, one of the things you have to remember back in those days, they registered for three days, and you'd have to walk around to each class and pull a card. You know, and uh, so you run over to the class. Well, you're going to have to be on a waiting list. You're like two minutes too late. And, mm -hmm. and my time, the register was the third day at four o'clock in the afternoon. So I, I hardly had any choices. <laughs> and uh, uh, the other thing, I was already married by the time I was a uh, freshman in college. Really? Yeah, so I, I didn't get in much trouble. So when did you meet your wife? Uh, I met her uh, in about the eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And we went to kind of went to school together. I played a lot of sport, sports, and she did the yell leading and all that kind of stuff, you know. Really? And so, uh, yeah. Did you start dating in eighth grade? Or? Yeah, uh, a little bit. You know, you go to a dance and stuff. And uh, but my mom and dad were divorced when I was four, so I, I lived with my dad and my uncle. And so I was, you know, I did my own laundry. I did my own cooking for the most part. And so I was ready. Uh, uh, to get married, actually, you know, and move away mm -hmm. uh, when I was a freshman in college. So, 
anyway and then uh so i went to cal poly and uh i came back to uh downey high school in modesto and they had a school farm a big one and a guy uh that taught me a lot about ag teaching was the guy i worked with ed leal mm -hmm. and ed leal had uh, probably 30 sows on a school farm and at one time we had close to 300 feeder pigs on the ground and all the kids did the work which was great and we paid the rent on the school farm it wasn't a school district thing uh, had a house we rented out and then they had sheep there and ed told me well you're in charge of the sheep and i go my i don't know how many i don't know anything about sheep you know mm -hmm. he said well you'll learn i said well how many are out there and he goes 200. so i started with 200 ewes not knowing anything yeah. And so uh, there was all kinds of stuff that uh, I had to ask questions about, you know. And then... Uh, what were the... So are they commercial sheep? Or no, no, they're sheep? all blackface. They're mm -hmm. all blackface. Uh, probably a third of them at that time were still south down. Uh -huh. And we had a south down buck. And... Uh, what year was that? Uh, that was 1969. I think it was a buck uh, uh, called Peabody, which we got from Howard uh, South Downs in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, then we got some blackface rams and um, uh, some blackface ewes. We, we use probably hog or hubbard rams from mm -hmm. up north in Oregon. So the goal of your flock at that point was show sheep? Or just yeah, show just sheep? for show sheep. Mm -hmm. And out of the 200 ewes, we could probably get a little over 100 live lambs with the kids lambing them out and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, but we still had to go out and buy lambs. I mean, the lambs were okay quality. And, mm -hmm. uh, but at that time, we were still fitting them, you know. So if we spent a lot of time fitting them, um, we could get them to look good, feed them right. I did my student teaching at uh, Madera High School, and uh, Dino Petrucci was the guy that was in charge, and he had me hang out with the sheep guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, the teacher that was in charge of the sheep at that time was a guy named Glenn Rask. And Glenn Rask later went on to uh, Colorado, and uh, was real big time in um, purebred sheep, Suffolk sheep, mm -hmm. buying and selling. And when my son went to Colorado, Glenn Rask hired my son to work on a ranch. So it was really kind of a around the circle kind of thing. Yeah. You know? So Glenn kind of opened the doors and made those contacts for you right. in those early days. Right. And then they changed the law on how you could write the sheep off. At that time, they were spending tons of money. I think Glenn Rask had... Uh, money that he got from investors mm -hmm. and one year at Sedalia he bought the first 20 uh, Suffolk yearling ewes just boom 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 really? yeah and then uh, by the time Mike was a senior um, the money had stopped completely because the tax write-off wasn't there and so his last check was an orange uh, blocking table which we still have today so, <laughs> so I've just from some other guys I've talked to, there was like a wool and mohair like uh, subsidy right that exists in Texas. Is that the same one you're talking about, maybe? Uh, well, what we what we used to do when we sheared, uh, the shearer would come in and shear your sheep, mm -hmm. and he would uh, take the wool. Okay, then we would pay. Uh, a few years later, we would just pay him because the wool had some uh, value, then you'd get a subsidy on top mm -hmm. so you could make money on the wool. Mm -hmm. Well, today we pay $7 to shear the sheep and we give the wool away to uh, wool for worthy causes. Mm -hmm. And uh, they make them into blankets and stuff and they use dis uh, disabled people to kind of do that. 
So, so uh, if you have 100 ewes and you shear them twice a year, you're going to pay 1,400. You're going to throw away 1,400 dollars. Yeah. So, but it's part of the management. You got to kind of figure into that. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, so let's jump back to you know those early days of your flock. At that time, the market lamb shows were fitteds, purebred suffix. What was winning? Right. Uh, just just getting away from the South Downs, they were just too compact and too lightweight. The first year at uh, Stanislaw County Fair, 1969, I think the uh, lambs had to weigh 90 between 90 and 110 pounds, mm -hmm. and uh, you couldn't weigh under 90 and you couldn't weigh over 110 they'd throw you out and uh it's a little small for a purebred suffix i think yeah yeah no they were a little bit different you know uh <clears throat> they were still <clears throat> still thick and and uh, wide but uh finish was very very touchy you know and a, and a judge uh used to get on the microphone and this guy's one tenth too much and he's carrying a little bit more where today they don't even hardly talk finish um they want to market ready um and the wide sheep that have a little bit of cover on them uh, are at an advantage and some of them might be a little bit soft but as one guy put it uh, in the early days uh, you hang them in the cooler they're not soft for long mm -hmm. you know <laughs> so uh, and uh, I think in 1969 1972 we had moved out here to the ranch where we're at right now right right now and uh, we had bought a a lamb at Purple Circle from a guy named uh, Todd uh, Burnett. Mm -hmm. And um, the lamb got too big on us. So we went up in the mountains, up in the foothills here, and bought a, a guy had bought a Suffolk ram from Olson Brothers out of Utah. And he had about 20 some lambs born. Well, by the time we got up there, there were two left. So we bought a uh, 35 or so pound lamb for our county fair and uh 60 days in 60 days he weighed 96 pounds oh my gosh. so i mean we just poured the feed to mm -hmm. him well crossbred cross. yeah suffolk cross and and it was nice lamb thick if i showed you the picture you you might get uh sick to your stomach but anyway 30 pounds is so <coughs> small was that like a 60 day weight or was he just oh he was he, i don't think he was weaned yet oh okay <laughs> and uh, so we, we brought him home, and uh, anyway, we just fed him and fed him and fed him and fed him. Well, my son practiced all the time. He weighed probably 30-some pounds when he was showing just about, and uh, he was nine years old, okay? Yeah. So he goes into the ring, and the judge was the kind of judge that was had commercial sheep, and he just fell in love with the lamb. Yeah. So there's 550 lambs shown. This lamb weighed 96 pounds, and he was the grand champion lamb of the show. Hmm. The next year, people were hanging around the pen because they were mad. You know, here's a kid that's been showing for eight or nine years, and he gets beat by a nine-year-old, you know. First-timer. First-timer, you know. And uh, then what was that? And then he won Nava Showmanship. Nobody, and then he had the older ewe that he had bought from Burnett. You know, he showed his breeding stock. And that was the first year they applied for uh, Outstanding Sheep Exhibitor. Mm -hmm. So here he won uh, Novice Showmanship, Grand Champion Lamb, and Outstanding Sheep Exhibitor, and he's nine years old. And I mean, people were upset. I don't, it sounds like county fairs really haven't changed much. No, but, no, uh, <laughs> no. And then, yeah, and, uh, and then about, I don't know how many years later, 
Leonard Bianchi and I decided, you know, we got to get the wool off of these guys. You know, some of these guys that can really fit, they're poofed up their butts and full of judges. And it, it wasn't the judges' fault. Anybody would have used them. They're prettier, you know. Yeah. And here's a kid that's got a hell of a lamb, can't fit it and really can't show it, and he's on the bottom of the class. So we decided that uh, we're going to slick them like they do in Oklahoma and some places. And we were the first uh, fair in California that made it mandatory that you had the slick serum. And, really? Yeah, and, and it made it a lot better. We had, we had 10-year-old kids winning the class, you know, mm-hmm. hanging on to the lamb, but the lamb was good, you know. So where did, when you first started with that 200 views, how long after that did you meet Leonard Bianchi? Was uh, he pretty big in the sheep at that point? Yeah, he probably had a couple hundred views himself, mm-hmm. and he lived in Oakdale, which is what, about 30 minutes away. And uh, one of my students, uh, his father went to school with Leonard. Mm-hmm. So he talked to Leonard, and I went over there with the kid, and we picked out a lamb. Mm-hmm. And then the next year I told Leonard, hey, you got nice lambs. Let me, uh, let me come in here and pick 10 or 15 or whatever. So I started buying lambs from Leonard. Then we started, uh, I started buying a buck from him, a couple of ewes. We went to Ronald Hogs in uh, Oregon. Uh, one year and bought 25 old ewes, I mean, limping and ba- bad bags and everything. And uh, that's kind of how we, how we got our start. Mm-hmm. So uh, Leonard had been doing Hampshire's for a long time, bought some from uh, Green Meadow, which I think is in like Virginia or something, drove all the way back there. And, uh, so he, he had the Hamps before, but he, he's the one that got me started in the sheep. Yeah, from uh, what I understand, I mean, he was dominant. Like in the 90s and early 2000s in right. California. Um, how, was he back then or was somebody else kind of up there in that spot? Or? Well, uh, you, you could go to uh, the livestock auction, pick up a lamb and, uh, and feed it pretty good. And you could get in the top three in the class. Okay, so there wasn't like a club lamb no. industry out here? No, you can't do that with a goat or anything anymore. No. You know? um, even even uh, if you could still fit them, it, it would really be hard. Um, but one year at State Fair, he had two kids showing, Kelly and Mike. I had the two boys showing, Mike and Paul. I don't know if Chris was showing. He might have been. So there was five, five Leventini Bianchi showing at State Fair. Mm-hmm. And we were either first or second in every class of the blackface. So that was Suffolk, Hamp, and Crossbreds in both the 4-H and the FFA. <laughs> and at that time, you could show six or eight lambs. Were they slicked? Yeah. Oh, okay. And they were slicked. I mean, the lambs were just really sound, real good, you know, and it just kept first in the class, Kelly Bianchi, second uh, in the next class was Chris or Mike, and, and uh, so we had the lambs that go back in, for all, most of the lambs that go back in for champion. And then little by little, you know, people are just going to be more and more competitive. Like, like today, uh, you know that a guy could buy three good ewes, get them artificially inseminated, then the next year maybe flush the ones that he liked, you know. I mean, there's just so many more options. You don't have to have a flock of 200, you know, or 100. Yeah. So. so was that a turning point that day that you guys had all that success? Like maybe you guys established a dominance and had people come by Club Lambs the next year? Right. Now, in 1991, we started the Club Lamb sale. Uh-huh. And at that time, there wasn't anybody doing that. They just sold them off the ranch, uh-huh. okay? And so what we did, 
the first year, we fit them all out. We clipped them, left butt wool, fit the butt wool. Uh, we did it a week ahead of time. We weigh them, put them in order, paint, brand them, make up a sale order, right? Sire, dam, weight, the whole bit. And then you go back over, they almost got to fit all the butts again. Mm-hmm. So we decided we're just going to slick them. So when the fair was mandatory that you slicked them, it, it made sense. Yeah. And then we had people come and going, well, I don't have to go to the ranch. I don't have to go to the Levantinis or Bianchis to try to get an early pick. Every single lamb is not going to be sold until February and is going to be in that sale. Mm-hmm. And one year I sold 55 lambs. And that's, you have to remember, this is before hormones. This is before PG six hundred yeah, and so cedars. Turn a buck out, hopefully. Right, and and we and we kept those ewes that would ovulate and breed for November lambs, October and November lambs. And I sold fifty five lambs, and I averaged almost five eighty. Mm-hmm. And that was back in uh, nineteen ninety. Uh, That's quite a bit. Oh, I I was so I was tickle pink. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So just took off from there. How long did you guys do those sales together after that? Uh, I think we did like 13 years and we got up to, uh, uh, most of the time we did, uh, two and three sales a year. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, one or two years we did actually four sales. Did you guys partner on bucks all throughout that yeah. time? Yeah. Where would you go for bucks? Uh, we, we, uh, started off probably with hog and Hubbard. Mm-hmm. And then, um, after that we moved for cabinets. We bought the Supreme Ram or a cabinets buck lamb or. One year we're back there and we see the Supreme Buck and uh, we're really interested in him. And uh, Ben Beam was working for Delta and Delta had a, a school farm which had a lot of almonds on it. Mm-hmm. So they sent him back there with thousands of dollars. I don't know, $30,000 or oh, wow. something. That's a lot for back then. Oh, yeah. Bucks. Yeah, the Supreme Champion Ram with uh, a lot of years was like 5000 mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we were talking to him and... We said that we see in the pen handling the Supreme Ram, uh, you know, we like that guy too, but we won't bid on that. We won't run you up, but we don't want you to bid on this little February lamb. He was like fifth in his class, you know. So they paid 5000 got the Supreme. Now our February went for 5200 hmm, Really? <laughs> and we called him big time, and we used him for nine years which is unheard of now if you use a buck for three years it's pretty amazing you know Uh, even the guys that have a buck that they they push to be uh, the number one buck in the United States they use a son or a grandson they move on pretty fast so So how long after you and Leonard kind of started you know the club lamb you know basically having an industry on this this part of the country out here how long after that did you know, Beam and Nicewanger and all these other guys kind of start. And Harry Sampson, how long after that did they uh, kind of start? To... I think Harry's been in it quite a while. And uh, Beam was in and out of it. He was up, I think, at Shasta College or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, John and Carol were in beef. but uh, And little by little, I could see that you're getting good prices here. You work your butt off on a steer and you make 300 you yeah. know. Or you can make 300 by selling a lamb. They thought, well, I can get a lot more lambs. And so yeah. uh, little by little, it built up. Now, in this area, there's a tremendous amount of, uh, of people raising uh, show lambs. Well, this is the mecca of California for, oh, oh, for I would, sheep. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, have you ever been to our uh, sheep tour? Yeah, I was there for the first one ever. Yeah. 
And so uh, I don't know how many there was uh, then, probably 25, 30 people. Mm -hmm. Well, last year we had 135 people for the sheep tour. And we're, so just kind of explain the sheep tour is just in this county? In yeah, uh, we used to have an open barn. When my wife was still around, we'd have an open barn the uh, weekend of Christmas. So if Christmas was on a Wednesday, we would have the open barn uh, the first Sunday after that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we'd have 10, 12 people and cider and little kids, and we have lambs in the barn, and they can handle them and stuff. So when we stopped doing that, I thought, you know, it would be nice this time of year if we kind of had people come through that are interested and we just show them our sheep. Mm -hmm. And so we started doing that a little bit. And then I'm, I've been on the Suffolk Camp Board and I said, yeah, let's just open it up and see who comes, you know. So uh, we go, uh, for the people that don't know here, we, we start here at our place and then we go to uh, Nick Warrenches and then uh, John Nyswanger, then Sunrise uh, Farm, which is uh, Gypsy. Uh, it isn't Keen anymore, Stark. is it? Gypsy Stark. Yep. And then we go to the Bianchi Ranch and then we go to uh, Beams, we've gone to Farinelli's, uh, we have uh, lunch provided for the people. Um, Marino's. Marino's, Culver's, Lane's. Uh, and how, so I mean, there's, that's a dozen, if not way more places. Right. It's all just within 30, 40 minutes of Modesto, right? Right. And so we, we can start here at 8 o'clock in the morning and be done by 3. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we're starting to get... Uh, uh, Shorier was out, and Hobbs has come out, and I, I would imagine more people are going to come. And uh, Shorier said it the best of all. He said, if I call six people out there, they would show me the sheep, but they wouldn't be able to get it in order, and they would not, you know, I might find one here, drive 45 minutes, and then have to come back to the neighbor because he isn't there until the next day. Or so. But he said, being in order, I can go from that one to that one. <clears throat> and uh, I told him, I said, you know, looking at sheep at different places, I said, the other big advantage you may not realize is that you can stand in the back and you can look and you can listen and you don't have to entertain the uh, farmer. Yeah. You know, the farmer says, well, this one's out of so-and-so and you have to say something like, uh, oh, I like that one. I like that one. Or yeah, or he looks like he's doing a good job. Yeah. You can just sit in the back and say, those are crap. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so uh, one of the guys, one of the guys was uh, talking about. Every, I'm getting old, and that's the other thing. I know of five people here that are 75 years of age or mm. older, five ranches. So that's going to be interesting in a few years. But one of the guys said, "Every one of these is for sale. Every sheep on here, I am getting a little old." And Shoyer says, "I'll take that one right there." And the guy. Two minutes later, go, oh, no, I don't want to sell that one. Oh, my gosh. You know. And then, uh, you know, we went to one place, and the poor guy was almost in tears, and we were asking him what the heck he, what the heck happened, you know. And he said that uh, he lost the ram just the day before they, one of his stud bucks just the day before they got out there. And the guy said, well, what happened? He said he ran off the cliff. He didn't see the U-turn. Oh <laughs> so Jeez. That's, that's bad. Yeah. That's too many, too many years teaching ag right there. So. How many more of those you got, Mike? I don't know. I don't know. We're about to find out. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the, the Christmas tour works, all, works real well. And then, uh, you know, we live in an ideal place. I can drive 
uh, five minutes and go to a feed store that carries medicines and everything I need. Every, okay? feed, every feed you can find. Right. Uh, I can uh, order from uh, Associated Feed, uh, bulk feed, and have it almost the next day because they're 20 miles away from me. Mm -hmm. I've got a lady that's 30 minutes away that I can call in the morning and she will semen check the rams for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. There, there's two vets that if one vet's busy, there's another vet that, that's here local. We've got hay companies. Uh, we're, uh, we've got a great little auction yard. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have to drive them, you know, three and a half hours to the auction. We have to drive them 40 minutes. You know? Escalon, right? Escalon. Yeah. And so it's kind of ideal. A lot of, uh, I only own like three and a half acres here, but I've got 12 acres on the other road that are in uh, individual uh, four acre, I mean, four three acre farms and they don't know what to do with them yeah so they have fence they have pasture it's all irrigated so the whole summer i don't have to feed anything so really so you have three acres here right what's the most amount of blackface use or, or say pears you've had here maybe springtime or fall well one year <clears throat> i taught ag yeah one man department i coached two varsity sports okay softball and basketball uh -huh. and i had 200 use <laughs> oh boy on three acres on three acres <laughs> and it was el nino el nino and uh, I, I i'd go out i went out one morning and you you couldn't see anything it was just flooded and uh i probably lost two lambs that couldn't get through the the mud you know but it was just way way too congested so i get up in the morning you know 5 30 or 6 i go out and feed if something lamb you put it in the barn you go to school i was close enough that i could hustle home at lunch maybe get a lamb out or something throw it in the lambing pen go back to school and have then you have practice or you have a game, mm -hmm. so you hop on the bus and you go to Merced, the game's over at nine, you get back to uh, uh, Downey High School at 10 o'clock, you get home at 11, you haven't fed, you haven't checked, you know, so if four used lambs, you gotta get them in the pen, you gotta get them started, dip their cords, you know, and all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, Sounds I, like you had all kinds of free time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was a lot younger, you know, and uh, you could handle that, but. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. So you and, you and Leonard, own bucks together and just yes. kind of was was he probably one of your best best friends in the gym? yeah 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 he uh he would sell us a half an interest or we would buy a buck and then we'd split the cost and mm -hmm. now jamie farrow and i kind of do that a little bit now yeah. you know if we find a ram and then we share rams back and forth and and in all reality that is great yeah um if even if you only have 30 U's and you AI all of the U's and stuff, you need a cleanup buck. And he has to be as good as the AI buck. Right, you know? right. And so uh, if, you, if you have a couple different people, uh, Jamie's got two really good yearlings, you know, and I've got probably the best group of buck lambs that I've had in a while. And so uh, we kind of can flip-flop back around, and, and it, it works out really good. Mm -hmm. So so in those, those days, you know, maybe back in the 90s when you were – you were kind of just learning as you were going, or was Leonard teaching you, or you were both learning at the same time, you think? Uh, a little bit of both. Trial and error. Yeah. How'd you guys, you know, pair up you families to bucks? Were you lining stuff up, or just breeding for phenotypes? Or? Yeah, just probably uh, breeding for phenotypes, and uh, it would never fail that my bucks would work better on his use, because mm -hmm. we always had a little bit, uh, we were a little bit more up-fronted, uh, chest floor, you know, and Leonard was a little more mass. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it worked out really good, you know, kind of uh, using those back and forth. 
and plus something happened over there and you get a couple of stud bucks that are infertile and then you you know you have an outlet you know uh, a lot of guys now think that they could have 25 ewes in one cleanup buck but then the cleanup buck goes infertile you're you're up a creek yeah you know unless you have somebody or you can artificially inseminate them yourself then then you can do that you yeah. know but so. a lot of people can do that no and so every one of our uh well not yet we got five more days uh, uh before i do the last group but we're already down in uh, breeding uh fall ewe lambs right but, now yeah in other words all all our brood ewes were well all except five were artificially inseminated already and then uh so the lamb right at 12 months those fall borns uh sure. let me say october october november december january february march april may so they're going to be about eight nine months so eight and five is 13 yeah they'll be they'll <coughs> they may still have their lamb's teeth yeah <laughs> but uh they seem like they can handle it better mm -hmm. uh this kind of sheep when when they were a little bit more like purebred sheep and we were showing you know and they had to have a little more size and scale and all that uh, <clears throat> those kind of sheep you you'd get one or two good ones a year you know now out of the uh i got about 80 brew juice now out of the 80 brew juice i want to have 120 at least good solid lambs you know so it, it's an entirely different thing so yeah so i know you you kind of did a lot with miller hamps probably in the early 2000s right right Where did that come about where did you guys start going well Texas? like i said the first one was hog up in oregon mm -hmm. and then we uh, for years uh went with cabinets and cabinets just kept getting them too lined up and too pretty uh -huh. and uh so uh we had met jimmy miller at uh sedalia one year and uh did a few things with him and so i bought half interest in a couple stud bucks uh -huh. and then uh, i'd have them out here for lambs born october november december and then we'd ship them back there and then he'd breed for january february march april that works good yeah it worked really good and uh, uh and he's real sensitive about uh he and leonard were more sensitive at the time Oh, they got to be purebreds, and they got to come from this guy. And I'm not even going to go over and look at those those guys' sheep. You know, to me, I just go over if the sheep is a good sheep, you know, and, and genetics sound good. Uh, I'm open to looking and and buying. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I don't know. Uh, right right now, uh, uh, the Miller sheep are not as hot as they used to be, and uh, I think there's a ton of good ones in there. You know. Um, Why but, do you think those bucks worked so good on your ewes? Were they just kind of way different, or masked up maybe? Uh, I, I don't really know if it was that or not. Uh, they, they were a little bit more masked to them, and at the time the shag was coming in and a little more wool on their face, you know, and we were getting some of that from hog, and, uh, and our sheep were kind of pretty at the time, and so he, they were kind of thickening them up. Yeah. And then now... Uh, we're, we breed a lot to rule bucks, mm -hmm. and the first year we bred the rule bucks, we had bought a buck called uh, uh, Rack City, and uh, we bred him, well, there were five of us that bought him. Mm -hmm. So we each took 25 ewes, and we AI'd them. So there was 125 ewes, just boom, right then. And out of the 25 ewes, we got 22 stuck, and we had 45 lambs. Wow. 
and you couldn't hardly tell them apart. They were just really good. Uh, and that kind of got me hooked on the AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, we sold quite a few. I think we sold nine lambs to, uh, to Los Banas, which is a May show. We had uh, two, two second places, seven first places, the champion uh, FFA, then champion 4-H, and the Grand Reserve were out of that group. First year. First year. And, and two of the kids, the champion 4-H kid uh, was the second time showing, and the champion FFA kid was the second time showing. Love to see it. I mean, it isn't like, oh, you got them in the right hands, and they pull these guys together, you know. And yeah. But you also matched up with a judge that liked those kind of sheep, you know. Yeah. So Definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about your, your grandkids. Okay. So they showed, they, they did really well. I, I, I remember, you know, back in the day I was looking at your website, and it seemed like you guys just kind of stomped in there for a while between Bella and Dom and Lexi maybe. But, yeah. Um, well, did they just love it, or was it? Well, the, the one that really does a good job with it was my oldest son. And he wasn't uh, big where he could play football or whatever. And he played tennis and cross country. And he, mm-hmm. he enjoyed that. And he's really smart. And, and so uh, he, he still calls me every day. We talk sheep every day. Really? And he lives in Maryland. And he runs a chicken company, uh, Purdue Foods. Uh-huh. He, he runs the whole organic division. And uh, hopefully he says he, he'd like to move back to California and do something with the sheep. Mm-hmm. But uh, he had the trifecta one year, and the trifecta is uh, winning Stanislaus County Fair, winning uh, State Fair, and winning Cal Palace all in the same year. Had three grands. It's pretty good. Yeah, and then especially when they're all terminal, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, there are three different lamps. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, Lexi did the same thing. Um, Bella's had uh, showed at State Fair and has had the overall Supreme Ram and the overall Supreme U a couple of different years. Mm-hmm. Had the uh, Grand at Cow Palace, uh, and then Dom did did really well. Uh, last couple of years he got into it a little bit more, and uh, then my other son Paul he would show just because we had him, mm-hmm. and uh, then his kids would kind of just show because we had them. Yeah. So. So anyway, they were big into sports, though, weren't? They? Yeah, they were big yeah. Basketball players. Yeah, Paul. Paul played for uh, Stanislaw State, and they went to the Final Four in Division Two in Kentucky. Wow. And uh, so he had a pretty good team. And Paul, when he was four years old, fell against a bamboo pole and poked his left eye out. Oh, so he played college ball with one eye. That's that's not can't be easy. <laughs> no, that 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 can't be easy. Yeah. So anyway. So you mentioned you were the ag teacher and the basketball coach. Right. So is that pretty cool? You could share both those kind of experiences with your grandkids? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the reason I, I think I, uh, I don't know if I did good or whatever, but uh, in, in teaching, I always wanted the kids to enjoy it so they come back to the class. Mm-hmm. So I kept, uh, uh, I kept the kids involved in the class. I tell a couple of jokes or two you know yeah (laughs) and and we kind of get them involved you know and uh, it was interesting Um, I think I started coaching in the 80s and the school I was at had been there 30 years and the most they ever won like in girls basketball I did that for seven or eight years they had won one year they won two league games but they'd never usually win more than one Mm -hmm. and so in in the uh Eight years we had uh, seven league championships, but uh, 
you know, we'd go to summer camps and we, there was no jackpots in. We weren't going to jackpots, yeah. you know. So I take these kids to summer camps and, and we get them girls in the weight room. And, and so. You worked uh, hard. I mean, yeah, yeah. You just got to keep them involved. You see them around school. Hey, how's it going? You know, we're going to do this. And, and uh, so there's no bad kids. It's just that uh, they make poor decisions sometimes. And you got to kind of point that out to them ahead of time. Hey, that's yeah. not going to work for you, you know. And, so yeah, it's all good. So and um, I think Bella's still pretty involved with the industry. I see her. I mean, you, you guys go a lot of places together. And... Yeah, Bella Bella's uh, teaching ag uh, now, and Lexi is married to a guy uh, in uh, Lubbock, Texas, and they have like uh, I don't know how many head, three or five hundred head of uh, show cattle. You know, all AI'd and embryoed. Who's and she married to? She's married to a guy named Jared Floyd. Okay. Floyd Cattle Company, mm -hmm. and, uh, and they just had a little girl who was really cute. And then Dominic is up in the city, and he's uh, into a new uh, computer program kind of thing. And they, I don't know what it's all about, but uh, he's happy, doing well, and he's swimming in the ocean. He's going to do a triathlon here, and really? yeah, he bought him a new bike, and so. He came and lived with me for about six weeks, and uh, he worked out uh, probably five hours a day. Oh my gosh, he's you know? huge, just yoked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and now he's about 6'3", and I don't know how that comes in our family. Mm -hmm. And my other grandson's 6'2", you know, Dang. so, so I don't, I don't. You aren't short, but. Right, and, and then genetics themselves, genetics are really a funny thing. I'm, I'm standing, I'm standing out there and uh, working some sheep the other day, and over in the corner I could hear this ewe talking, and she's telling the other ewe, she says, "You didn't have a lamb last year, did you?" And the other ewe said, "No, if you remember during breeding season, I was under the weather." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, all the weather can do is try. That's right. That's right. There you uh, go. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I tell you, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> so. You taught ag for how many years? Well, I taught 30 years at Downey and five years at Bayer. Yeah. And, uh, and m almost all of that time, I also ran the ring at our county fair. Yeah. And then when I retired, I still ran the ring. So I, I got right at 50 years, and I thought, that's enough, you know. But I, I hated going to a show where there's nobody move, helping move the sheep around. They don't get them in in time. The judge has to wait in between, you know. Um, they don't announce the kids' names right. So... We had it pretty organized, and it, it moved right along, and the, we kept the audience. And mm -hmm. so, uh, uh, I was I was proud of how how it, efficient it was and how well it moved. And yeah. So, I've definitely noticed that. I think you've gotten the ring. You've been the ring hand at Reno and a few other shows. And when you give Mike Leventini the mic at a show, it's comedic relief yeah. instantly. I mean, it's it's a great time. <laughs> Well, it, it goes right back to the classroom, you know. I mean, you, you want those kids to kind of enjoy it. And those kids will say things, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, I'm, I'm telling the kids, you have to take notes. I don't want, I don't need to, you have to take notes. He says, I don't need to take notes. He says, I have a pornographic memory. A what? <laughs> what did you say back to that? I says, well, you, you either... Uh, Use the wrong word, or you've never forgot a dirty picture you've seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, kind of to take a note, talking about livestock judging, maybe. 
Yeah. So, did you ever have any kind of absurd things come out of kids' mouths at livestock judging contests? Uh, well, I had a, a kid that one time uh, told me that this particular sheep was really bitching, and it, it was kind of fitting. It was kind of fitting at that time. But you know how life is. You always get a chance to maybe judge him in a showmanship class, and, and the kid will ask you, hey, how's it, how's it going, Mr. Leventini? And you just say, hey, it's bitching. <laughs> Do you uh, remember that, Jay? I, I remember that, yeah. So, so that was, he's talking about me, and it was, it was my senior year, and it was MJC. Right. And every year at MJC, Mike takes raisins. Right. And during the critique, he gets on the mic, and he kind of just you know, does what Mike does and t tells jokes. And he was saying, you know, we had some kid describing testicular size with his hands, and you might not want to do that. And we had someone say this, and, you know, we had someone say bitching, and right. everyone just kind of goes, oh, my gosh. Like, right. And I wasn't, I didn't have a team, so I was with some friends, and they were like, who said that? Yeah. Can you believe someone said that? And I, like, kind of, like, slowly raised my hand, yeah. and they freaked out. I think you got a good score, though. Oh, I, you called my number out. Yeah. I, the, I didn't just call them, I, I think I worded it. No, it, 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 it fit in, you yeah. know. But, I mean, I, I, I wasn't sure if you heard me because you didn't instantly react. You kind of just kept it poker-faced. You know, I've heard that word before. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, it has been fun, you know, and, and when we first started, uh, Leonard and I used to, Leonard Bianchi and I used to say, because if you figure we ran four sales a year for 10 years, we ran 40 sales, yeah. you know. And we figured if we could get $125 a lamb at the time when we first started off, we could make enough money where we could still buy our buck and, and do that again mm -hmm. next year. But now, where you spend 250 on a ewe, may or may not breed, you know, she may have a lamb and a half for you, uh, and the price of hay is what the price of hay is in grain, and uh, cedars and hormones and vet bills and everything. Uh, you could easily, easily have $400 a lamb in the lambs, you know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of kids that go to their fair might only get $4 a pound. So if they have a 140-pound lamb, they're only getting 500 They come to your place and want to get a lamb for 350 or 400 and some of those aren't available anymore, yeah. you know. So I don't know. It, it, it's all kind of relative, I guess. Yeah. So. And like at uh, Santa Rosa, where my grandkids moved and went to the Santa Rosa Fair, they allowed you to uh, show two animals. And uh, I'm trying to think how many years ago. It's probably 15 years ago. And uh, so, uh, and they had breeds. They had like eight breeds. So we took a Dorset mm -hmm. and a Speck and a Natural and a Suffolk and a Hamp and a CrossFit. We won... We had four champions and two reserves, and they got a thousand bucks a piece for the lambs. Killer. Yeah, but again, you're not too popular. Come in the first year, nobody knows who you are, and you do something like that, you know. But uh, you know, it, it, some people, just like yourself, if you're going to do anything, you're going to be competitive with it, and you're going to try to do the best job you can, you know. Yeah. And so uh, you just do that your whole life. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway. yeah. So, kind of since I've moved out of California, I've observed other places do county fairs way different than us. Um, you know, a lot of times they're not terminal. You know, you have to make the sale, 
and you know you get your animal back and you can take them to a major you can take them to state fair how do I mean, these county fairs out here are way different. They're all terminal. It's kind of just explain those to people who don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting because uh, a guy goes out and buys uh, lamb for, you know, $3,000, but he can show it and maybe have champion at three or four fairs in the Midwest. Well, out here, uh, you buy a lamb for uh, good change, whatever you consider that is, and you go to your fair and uh, the judge puts you in second that lamb's dead it doesn't go on to another fair you can't pull it out you know uh so a lot of the people out here have to buy if they go to two or three county fairs and state fair and uh and hope to make the sale there uh you may have to buy four or five lambs yeah you know? if you so. take them to a county fair in california they're they're terminal they're done yeah uh, most of them are i don't i don't know if there's too many and one of the reasons we did it at our county fair is that we had some breeders loaning out ewe lambs mm -hmm. and then uh they got the ewe lambs back no matter what they could be the grand champion lamb and they just buy it out of the sale and put money on it. The kid kept the money and the lamb went back to whatever. Yeah. Now, now they're, uh, we started off with the final four being killed and now it's every, all of them, they go right on a truck. So. And they're sold by the pound and, yep. and they, they get that meat back actually, right? Like if they buy that lamb, they get- Yeah, uh, if uh, a person can buy it, let's say he buys it for $500 and the market price on the lamb is 200, he can uh, resell it and uh, Superior will pay him the 200 and keep the meat. Mm -hmm. And then he has to fork up the 300. Or he can pay the whole 500 and get the meat, uh, the whole lamb meat and everything, so. See, when I went to Texas and I was explaining that to people, right. that when you go to the county fair auction and buy an animal, like you get that meat. It right. kind of blew a few of their minds. Like, oh yeah. Like, what? Uh, first year I go to Sedalia, we're sitting in, uh, I don't know what you call it, uh, where they have a group of people come and they have like a little panel mm -hmm. and they're going to talk about different things. Well, one of them is Joe Cavanis. Mm -hmm. And Joe's talking about, well, we go to this fair and then we take it to that fair and then we take it to this fair. And, and I'm counting on my fingers, you know. Well, dang, that lamb's 12, 14 months old. So I ask him, like a idiot Californian, well, that meat's not very good. He said, oh, to hell with the meat. He yeah. says, you know, these are show animals. We don't care about it. We're not going to eat them. You know? <laughs> so, uh, and then out here, when we first showing, the lambs are five months old. Yeah. And they're gone. They're in the locker, yeah. you know. We take, we take babies and take them to county fairs at seven months old, and they weigh 150 pounds, and they're, they're right. gone. And then another guy on the, on the council uh, told me something that was really interesting, and, and it uh, kind of... Uh, shaped my opinion for a long time a guy named Leroy Boyd and he was at Mississippi State University and he gave a nice little talk about selection and this kind of stuff and breeding projects and and two things that he said he said that if you really want to have sheep and be in the sheep business for a long time thickness of skin and length of hip mm -hmm. he says we've me measured everything and he says those two things translate in the productivity. Well, if you think about it, thick skin is going to keep the animal from getting hot, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's, it uh, makes the animal grow faster because uh, there's more space. more space. And then in come these little tight-hided, at the time they were black sheep, you mm -hmm. know? Well, those are great for jackpots because you could, 
you could feed them for nine, 10, 12 months and they never grow too fast, you know? So they, co they correlated skin thickness to, you know, how to calculate how big they're gonna get, mate? Well, a uh, little bit about growth rate. Uh -huh. uh, you know, uh, you're getting lambs that three months of age weigh 94 pounds. Now, if you get a, a, a lamb that you're gonna show at your fair and he's three months old and he weighs 94 pounds, I don't think that's a lamb you're gonna to wanna to have, mm -hmm. you know? It's not gonna be a jackpot lamb, it's not gonna be almost anything. But they're harder to shear because uh, the hides are thicker, you mm -hmm. know? And so the little thin-hided sheep were great for the jackpot people, grow slow and they like those, so we kinda of got away from those. So. We were at Sedalia, and you've been to Sedalia, and you know, it's hotter than heck, and you're just dripping wet at 8 in the morning. So we walked around the different pens, and uh, here's a nice little tight-hided uh, uh, weather sire sitting there. <laughs> and then you go over here, and you see this big old uh, Suffolk out in the sun, you know, and he's just sitting there chewing his he's cud, yeah. and, and he's got rolls all up and down his neck, you know. Like a Brahmin bull. Yeah, yeah kind of kind of the same thing. So I come home on the other thing, and I had probably 35 views at the time. I separated, well, I measured them all. I measured every, I wrote down the top 10 use, in my opinion, these are the top 10 use in my flock, okay? And then I measured from hips to the pin, okay? And I measured the length. And it's not a lot of difference. That's a half inch, three quarters, you know. Mm -hmm. But the eight, the eight longest one were in the top 10. And about the same thing, eight of the shortest ones were in the bottom ten mm. in a sale group. So if you just had to tell somebody, go home and measure your sheep, or you're going into a flock, and the guy's dispersing, and you pick out 20 ewes, but you only want to buy five, do this measurement. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do the skin because uh, it's Most going sheep are good today. It's right, and and it's going kind of the wrong way. Uh, uh, it's just like shag, you yeah. know what I mean? Just trying to. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how shag would boil up in a stew. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> pick it out of your teeth for a few days or yeah. something like that. Uh, so, um, do you have any cool buck stories that happened maybe with Leonard along the way? Or, or how did vintage, vintage come along maybe? Or? Uh, let me see. It seems like um, a lot of guys have a buck story where the, bay, the buck stayed intact or was kept almost for an accident and then just worked. Yeah. Anything like that? Um, well, we uh, we got a this bunch of ewes from hogs, and after the first year, we had three left, three mm -hmm. good ones. Uh -huh. And uh, Leonard, old ewes, old ewes, yeah, yeah, they were real old ewes. So they were about eight years old when we bought them. So Leonard took this one ewe that produced the the best set of lambs, and actually put a bell on her. And he was of the theory that you're showing people your sheep and you have three bell ewes. Those are the three that the people are going to look at, so they better be your best three looking mm -hmm. ewes. So the old bell ewe one year has a set of buck lamps. And I'm over helping Leonard dock them and castrate and all of this kind of stuff. So I pick them up and we used to hold them and they used to put a shingle that had a notch in it and then take the hot iron and cut off the tail. And uh, so Leonard was doing that and he pulls up the scrotum like he's gonna cut it and I said you don't want to cut this one and he says well we can't keep them all you know and uh, so he cuts through the scrotum and I go that's a bell used buck lamb I thought you're gonna keep him oh crap it goes in the house stitch it up you know go and get some sewing string or yeah sewing string <laughs> so he just he didn't have any suture stuff but he just took a regular uh, sewing needle and 
put it in there and just stitched it up and give him some penicillin and he was okay. And at that time, I bought a third of him for $1,000. And we called him Oops. Oops. Yeah, Oops. And that was probably one of the first uh, sheep we got. So. And he worked. He was fertile and everything. Oh, yeah. He, he was not like today. I mean, you can you can have four buck lambs and hopefully get three of them or two of them to be yeah. fertile in their lifetime, you know. So. Where, where do you think that came about? I mean, I know you got some theories about fertility, but, I mean, it's genetic. Yeah. Why do you think we're losing it a little bit? Because uh, we don't pick for it. You just don't, you don't even hardly look at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, why, why not at Reno? Why isn't there someone like Sandy up there? You know, Sandy Farinelli, and just say, okay, we're going to take all of the yearling bucks, or, or over there, she'll do it for $20. Uh, hey, I really like that buck lamb, and I got enough money maybe to buy it. <clears throat> Can I take it over here and get it semen checked? That's a good idea. You know, uh, let's get it semen checked. And then the guy goes, no, I don't want to, because if the semen's not good, yeah, then he's it, 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 it's kind of like having the dwarf test done on it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of sales, and this ewe lamb is FF, and this one's DF, or this one is F uh, plus, and and all of that kind of stuff. And then this one ewe doesn't have any of that on it. Well, hell no, because came back DD, and so he just didn't put it in there. Yeah. It isn't like you have to put it in, you know. So I I don't know if people would uh, would would want to do it. But the thing of it is, uh, if you have an FF buck that's really really thick and everything get a little more money oh yeah and and so the same thing if if this buck was uh had uh, good potency but uh we just don't you know like on the commercial places they actually measure the circumference of the testicles mm -hmm. we hardly ever do that so we don't check for it enough so mm -hmm. i don't know good or bad it's just that's that's kind of the way it is you can't you can't have everything you check for you mm -hmm. know and so you just put your priorities there. I just need a better chest floor, or I just need a bigger rack, or my tail sets off a little bit, you and know. just for one thing you can't Yeah, do. yeah. And, and you can't throw all of the other stuff away. Like I got a, I have a, a, a buck lamb out there. He's a, a Bishop Bullwinkle on a really nice shake and bake daughter. Mm -hmm. I really like him. We've tested him four times now and we can't give him above 50%. And it's just not quite good enough. So what I'm probably gonna to have to do is just turn him out towards the end of the season with a bunch of ewe lambs and hopefully he's good by the time mm -hmm. he's a, he's a yearling. So. Do you think the in, like the environment that those sheep are raised in has to do with it too? Like some just, I've noticed like, if a buck lamb grows up in a barn extremely pampered, they're gonna have a hard life if you're gonna breed them a lot, it seems like. Or if the, the buck lamb that you don't like, that you just turn out with the keepers right. all spring to get fat, right. he's the most fertile buck for the rest of his life. I mean, does, does that kind of stuff come into play too? Well, I, I've, I've got kind of uh, two, two stories on that. I think a lot of times where the weather's real bad, and I'm not gonna use any names, mm -hmm. but you go into their barn that's uh, temperature controlled and everything, yeah. and a lot of times they might be treating them for something. We're out here, most of our bucks are uh, under a roof, but the wind's blowing through and they get a little bit more stress on them. Mm -hmm. And those bucks seem to have a little bit more longevity to them. Um, and some of the other bucks that these people bring out, they really look good, but they don't last very long. Yeah. You know? And so. Do you think it's a major issue we really have to worry about or it's just kind of part of what we do? Uh, you can ask somebody you trust 
I'm going to buy one from this guy. What do you think? You know, uh, or you can just do hard knocks and and buy one here and it dies and buy one there and it, you know, uh, yeah. So uh, that's a possibility. There was another thing I was going to uh, bring up about. Uh, hmm, I'll think of it maybe in a minute. I've been wanting to ask about vintage. I remember when I was, you know, like I said earlier, probably about 13 years old. I was on every sheep breeder's website and I remember. <laughs> Levantini Club Lambs had all these lambs out of vintage, sons out of vintage. Right. And so how did he kind of come about? Was he just way different at that point? Or? Well, I'd go back to uh, Miller's every year. Yeah. And I saw a buck lamb at Miller's that just jumped, you know, jumps out at you. Yeah. And uh, this guy was the biggest racked sheep I've ever seen at Miller's. Mm -hmm. And uh, really good on his feet and legs. And so... Uh, I finally talked him in to buying half of him, and I used him out here, you know, for October's, and they used him back there for later ones. And his first lamb crop, we kept eight buck lambs. I don't oh keep eight. I don't keep eight buck lambs, yeah. you know. We kept one son for ourselves. We sold seven sons, average over four thousand off the place. Mm -hmm. One of them we sold to Bowles. Is it Bowles? Jackie Bowles, yeah. Yeah, and uh, she took it to us. Uh, State Fair. It wasn't the, it wasn't our top one, you know. I, in my opinion, it wasn't our top one. She had the Supreme Ram mm -hmm. State Fair. Okay, uh, each of the grandkids took a ewe lamb to State Fair, and at that time they were aged and all of that kind of stuff. We had uh, three three vintage ewe lambs go, and all three vintage ewe lambs won their class. Yeah. You know. Boom, boom, boom. And the one came back in was the Supreme U. So we had the Supreme Ram that we didn't show, and we had the Supreme U out of the first lamb crop of vintage. Mm -hmm. So he worked. And it didn't stop there. I didn't. I mean, I feel like Kelsey had the champion Ram with Levantini about more than once. Ah, uh, yeah, she may have. I don't know if she had another buck lamb or not. Mm -hmm. But but we kind of screwed things up. Uh, I I went to uh, before that. I had gone to uh, Cabinets. I don't know uh, March maybe. Mm -hmm. And went through there, and it, if if you've been to cabinets, you realize this. If you've never been to cabinets, he he'll just turn you loose out there and 250 lambs. Yeah, pairs with their moms not pinned up. Right? Yeah, just just or or he'll separate them off and they'll just kind of go through the one. The nice thing is he has ear tags. Uh -huh. Brad Dale doesn't have ear tags, <laughs> so when you go through Brad Dale's, you say, "I like that buck lamb that had the shit on his shoulder." You know, <laughs> there's, there's there's no uh, anyway. I've, I've heard at cabinets is if you like one, you better catch him. Because yeah. you're not going to see him again. Right. That's right. And you write his number down. Yeah. And then you go in and you tell him, hey, I like the numbers of 14, 104, and 220. Yeah. Okay. And uh, then he comes back a couple, oh, yeah, we're keeping those three. <laughs> and I think what he was doing is having all these guys go through. So and he they, can pick his keepers? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bar idea. Barry was really upset. He spent like two and a half hours in the two or three that he picked. You know, first of all, they're a little on the rough side. Yeah. They're not babied like maybe they are up in Iowa and, and some of the other places where people come through. They got to look the part, mm -hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that was, that was kind of interesting. So and I go through there in March and I see this buck lamb. He's okay. He's not too bad. So I go through there and call him and, and it's uh, right before Corp, which is the end of April. So I'm going through there again and... Uh, I call him and I said, we'll be out in the morning, okay? So in the morning, they just get him off the shearing table. They sheared him for us, you know? And uh, I see him there and, oh, it looks pretty good. And I said, what do you want for him? He goes, 10000 
well, at that time, it got 10000 on. I called Leonard, and Leonard said, nah, let's just kind of wait. So then we go to Sedalia. Mm -hmm. The lamb looked really good. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, Weber. Clay? Clay Weber was the judge. And uh, for some reason, he had him in fifth, mm -hmm. okay, which is all right. You know, that means he's going to be cheap. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be cheap. Well, anyway, it went for 42000 mm -hmm. We 42000 Yeah. With three zeros after it. Yeah. We, uh, Miller, Bianchi, and myself, we bought him. Uh -huh. We called him all in, uh -huh. okay? Miller's got five, 600 U's. Bianchi has close to 300. And I got 60 U's. I pay a third. <laughs> and <laughs> That's they, how it goes. And, and, and now we're at the end of June, and Leonard and I, we, we, don't, have, we don't have any U's to breed to because they're all bred. Uh -huh. So Miller took them down his way and uh, used him. And then we told him, hey, uh, if this sucker dies, and we insured him, if this sucker dies, we want to get a ram lamb next year. And he said, okay. So we worked that out. He's a real great guy to work with, both of them were. And so the following year we used him. Well, I don't know if it was a uh, competition kind of thing, but uh, uh, the Miller family took a couple of lambs to Sedalia the following year out of him. Mm -hmm. They weren't very good, you know, like we spent the money on cabinets, don't do that, don't go to cabinets, I don't know what that was all about, but anyway, and Leonard had a rip of a, of a lamb that he liked, I said, Leonard, take that back, there was people back there spent, uh, bidding all kinds of money, they'll look at this ewe lamb, he was really good, so Leonard didn't do that, so we used all in for about, oh, I don't know, maybe four or five years, kept some sons, and, yeah. And uh, we got our money out of him. He did a good job. Sold him to Dietz. Uh -huh. And Dietz has some uh, good females out of him. So, anyway. But a buck lamb, that kind of money, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. So. Well, um, we're kind of right at about an hour. Okay. And uh, They're going to cut you off on the air? They're going to cut me off on the air. It's too long for podcasts is what I've heard. Okay. But um, let's just finish it with uh, one last question. I kind of like to ask everybody. Um, but if over you know over the years it doesn't even matter what trend um, that it's that it might kind of tie into. But over the years, what's the, your favorite sheep you ever seen? Whether it was a buck, or maybe a mature ewe, or even one in the show ring, even one that maybe didn't win a show, if just one that you just absolutely loved and kind of why? Well, we had a uh, a late born of ours. I can't I, you know I I can't really say out on the other ones. There's been a lot of bucks that you see at one time or another. And you think, man, that buck's going to do fine. And he didn't work for the people or something. So that kind of sours you to that animal. Yeah. You know? But we had a little buck lamb uh, born here. And uh, and he had a bad mouth. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we went ahead and cut him. And uh, the first show that my uh, Lexi showed him at was uh, Super Bowl jackpot. It used to be in Merced. And she won both days. And both the judges just kind of ripped into us for cutting him. Why'd you cut a buck lamb like that? You know, I said, well, look at his mouth. They go, well, I don't care about his mouth. I was still used him, okay? Mm -hmm. Then we took him, and then uh, later, uh, we took him to uh, Cow Palace, and uh, he weighed 152 pounds here at the house. So we took him to Cow Palace, fed him light, and weighed him in. He weighed one, well, we check weighed him. He weighed like 149 or 150. And so the following morning, we had to weigh him in, and uh, people on a scale goes, uh, 161. 
And I, you know, there were college kids and stuff, and I go, no, no, weigh him again. No, if he makes weight, then that's okay. We don't weigh him in again. So we had to take him in at 161, and Colby Birch was the judge. Mm-hmm. Well, Colby ends up using him, and one of his con- comments was probably uh, like a buddy of mine, J- this Jake kid might have said. He goes, uh, this lamb supposedly weighs 161, but I'm going to use him. He's just snot ripping good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That'll make you feel good. Oh, yeah. Did you yeah. later, did you tell him, hey, he doesn't really weigh 161? Yeah, no, we, we, we told him, I said, you put him on a scale right now, I bet he's under 150. Yeah. You know? So, anyway. There you go. That's always a good story to tell. Yeah. Well, Mike, thanks for, thanks for sitting down with me. You got any last-minute sheep jokes? Uh, break out real quick? No, not not really. You know, it just uh, they just come to you as you. It, it's it's been really a lot of fun meeting certain people. You know, and uh, there's a lot of good people out there in the sheep industry that'll help you out and do things for you. Yeah. You know, and uh, since I've been retired, everybody goes, well, "What do you do with your time?" I said, "I meet a lot of a lot of people come to the ranch, or we we do different things." Mm-hmm. You know. And that's why this COVID deal is so bad. You d- just don't get to see them, and you don't get to do things with them. So. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. a fun life to live when it's, when it's going good. Yep. For sure. Well, thank you, Mike. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you.